Today, we continue with our 40 days series, where we take a look at some of the things that Jesus did in those 40 days between his resurrection and his ascension. Today, it's part three, and the message is called Redeemed. It comes from a passage that you only find in the Gospel of John. And we're going to read that passage now. It's John 21, verses 15 to 19. Here we go. So, when they had eaten breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me more than these? And he said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And Jesus said to him, Feed my lambs. He said to him a second time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? And he said to him, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And he said to him, Tend my sheep. He said to him a third time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, Do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. Most assuredly, I say to you, when you were younger, you girded yourself and walked where you wished. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and another will gird you and carry you where you do not wish. This he spoke signifying by what death he would glorify God. And when he had spoken, he said to him, follow me. An intimate conversation between Jesus and Peter on that morning. And he also tells Peter the way he's going to ultimately end his life. And history tells us that uh, Peter had to pay the ultimate price for his love for Jesus. As an old man, he was crucified. But this conversation is so vital in in turning Peter's life around. What do you do? What what do you do when circumstances and your own doubts and insecurities drive you into doing something that you regret? What do you do when you think you are a failure? You know, in 40 years of ministry, ministering to people in different situations. I have come across those who tell me that they do not believe that God can forgive them. They say, Pastor, you don't understand what I've done, what I've been, who I am. I I do not believe that God can forgive me. They have failed God and they failed others so much that they feel they are not worthy of being forgiven. There are some who will not say it, but they will allow these thoughts and emotions to push them into a position of defeat, of withdrawal, of inactivity. Two things we battle with sometimes. Believing that God has forgiven us and believing that we can forgive ourselves. We battle sometimes to believe that God truly has forgiven us. And and if we do accept that, sometimes we have difficulty in forgiving ourselves. But this is when redemption is needed. 
Redemption is defined as the action of saving or being saved from sin, error, or evil. It is defined as the action of regaining or gaining possession of something in exchange for payment or clearing a debt. Uh, Do those things sound familiar? As it applies to us, Jesus died on that cross to save us from sin, error, and evil. The consequence of our sin, of our error, and of our evil was placed on him so that we may be made children of God and citizens of heaven. You see, sin separated us from God, but Jesus regained us for heaven by paying with his life and clearing our debt. That is what Jesus did by his death, burial, and resurrection. That is the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Peter understood this, and he says in 1 Peter 1, 18, 19, you were not redeemed with corruptible things like silver or gold from your aimless conduct received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. You see, Peter wrote this later in his life, and I'm sure he was able to write this because of what he experienced on that morning as he had that breakfast with Jesus and that intimate conversation with him. The Apostle Paul put it this way in 1 Corinthians 6.20. You were bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. Paul was another man who experienced redemption from Jesus. Redemption is a matter of the heart. If you understand what Jesus did for you, the price he paid and the magnitude of his love for you, then your response can only be to love him, to love Jesus. And that love becomes a driving force in your life. Yes, sometimes we allow the pain, the shame or disappointments of our failures to overshadow that glorious truth of the gospel. And that is where today's story comes in. If there was a disciple who felt a failure, then it must have been Peter. Yes, Judas must also have felt a failure when he realized that his betrayal of Jesus cost Jesus his life. And and, and Judas, his reaction to that emotion, to that failure, was to end it all. That is never a way out, people. It leaves hurting family members and friends. It creates more pain for others. If ever the pressures of life cause you to entertain the thought of ending it all, please talk to someone. Seek help. Those hopeless thoughts are simply lies of the enemy. No matter how difficult the situation, listen, no matter how difficult the situation, how serious the problem, with the help of the Lord and with family, friends, and church beside you, you can overcome.
And that is what Peter discovered. You, you remember Peter, loudmouth, impulsive, spontaneous. He was part of the three closest disciples of Jesus together with James and John. When Jesus said that he would be killed in Jerusalem, Peter said the equivalent of, hey, over my dead body, nobody's going to touch you. <laughs> Jesus had to rebuke him at that stage. He implied that he loved Jesus more than all the other disciples when he said, even if all are made to stumble because of you, I will never stumble. <laughs> Not me, you know. In other words, I'll stick with you through thick and thin, Jesus. And when the soldiers came to take Jesus in the garden of Gethsemane, Peter drew his sword and he cut off the ear of the servant of the high priest that Jesus had to put back and heal. But you see, once Jesus was taken captive, taken away, and Peter was recognized as one of the disciples of Jesus in among that hostile crowd which captured Jesus. Well, what happened to Peter? He denied knowing Jesus. Not once, three times, as he had been warned. Peter regretted that action. But he had already done it. And he lived with the guilt of his action as Jesus was crucified, as he died, and as he was buried. But now, Jesus is risen. And he has appeared to the disciples as a group two times. This morning that we're talking about here, this is the third time that he appears to them. This time there are seven of them, and they have been fishing all night. And Jesus appears to them. And I encourage you to take some time and read that whole chapter 21 of the Gospel of John. It is enlightening to read all that happened that morning. It is interesting to note that the resurrected Jesus still liked fellowship and food. He still enjoyed that. It happened every time he appeared with the disciples. Remember, he ate with them and he spoke with them. And here in this morning, Jesus makes them breakfast prepares breakfast for them and invites them to come and sit with him and enjoy some food and some rest after a night of work. You see, Jesus is not just interested in our spiritual well-being. He also cares about our basic needs like rest, food, and fellowship. And then he deals with the matters of the heart. After breakfast, Jesus has that conversation that we read just now. He has that conversation with Peter. And there he starts dealing with important matters. I want to draw your attention to a couple of things about that conversation. First, the whole conversation dealt with the heart of Peter. Jesus chose this moment to deal with Peter's heart. Peter had heard all the teachings of Jesus, seen the miracles, walked on the water for a while. Yet his heart was not completely established. When pressure, persecution, danger, disappointed, confronted him, what happened? Peter fell apart. He went back on his word. He denied Jesus. But now Jesus is alive. And Peter now has a better understanding of who Jesus is. You remember Jesus had sat with them previously and explained them and shown them again from scriptures all the things that should happen to him. And so Peter has been clarified. 
Peter also has a better understanding of himself now. He thought he was strong. He thought you would never fail Jesus. But when the heat was turned on, Peter did not hold up. And so this is a different Peter, a different man that is sitting now with Jesus this morning. They are sitting by a fire of coals, right? The last time we read about a fire of coals in the Bible is when Peter was by a fire of coals warming himself and somebody spotted him, said he was a disciple of Jesus, and he denied Jesus, right? I wonder if this fire, as he's sitting with Jesus by this fire of coals, it is reminding him of his moment of weakness, of his failure. Then, as Jesus addresses Peter, he uses Peter's extended name. He doesn't call him Peter. He calls him Simon, son of Jonah. Remember, Peter means rock. And Peter had not been a rock of faithfulness to Jesus. So as Jesus speaks to him, he does not call him Peter. He calls him Simon, son of Jonah. Helping Peter to be confronted with himself, with what he did, with who he is. And then Jesus asks Peter if he loves him three times. Uh, the first time, Jesus adds more than these. He says, Simon, do you love me more than these? Scholars agree that this means, Simon, do you love me more than these disciples love me? Jesus did not ask this, these questions because he did not know the answer. Listen, whenever the Lord asks you a question, it is not because he does not know the answer. Whenever the Lord asks a question, he wants us to ponder on that question. And it has to do with us learning something about ourselves. So he asks him, Simon, do you love me more than this? Remember, Peter had said, you know, implied that he loved Jesus more than everybody else, and he will stand by him. And now Jesus asks him, Peter, do you love me more than these? <laughs> And this question was asked so Peter could reflect on that answer. You see, Jesus was not looking for an impulsive answer. He wanted an authentic answer. Jesus wanted to hear Peter's heart. Peter's response shows that he's not going to fall into the trap of arrogance again. And so he simply says, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. No superlatives, no exaggerations, a simple statement from the heart. One more thing. In the Greek language, there is more than one word for love. And here, Jesus uses the word agape or agapeo when he asks Peter if he loves him. This word agapeo is the love that wants the best for the other. It's a selfless love. It is a supreme love. And so Jesus, he taught us to love one another, to agapeo one another, to have selfless, supreme love for one another. Jesus also taught, if you love me, 
keep my commandments. If you agapeo me, if you have supreme love for me, keep my commandments. In fact, that's the only way we're going to keep his commandments is if it is motivated by love for Jesus. Love is the foundation of all we do as Christians. No statement of faith, no creed, no mission statement can be substituted for a loving heart towards Jesus. And so Jesus asks Peter, do you have supreme love for me? Peter replies using another Greek word for love, the word phileo, which means friendship love, to be fond of. It is not the same intensity of agapeo. So Jesus asks, do you love me supremely, Simon? And Peter replies, I am fond of you, Lord. Hey, it's like you go to somebody and say, I love you. And they reply, yeah, I like you too. (laughs) It's just not the same thing, is it? So Jesus asks that first time, Simon, do you love me supremely more than these love me? And Peter replies, yes, Lord, you know that I am fond of you. Second time, Jesus asks, Simon, do you love me supremely? And Peter replies, yes, Lord, you know I'm fond of you. The third time, Jesus asks, Simon, are you fond of me? (laughs) Do you notice the change there? When, When Jesus asked for the third time, it says that Peter was grieved. He was sad. Two reasons, I think. First, because in his question, Jesus comes down from lofty agape to phileo, from supreme love to fondness. He brought the question down to Peter's level. And and by this, Jesus seems to admit that Peter is not yet able to offer him greater love. Second reason is because Jesus asked three times. And no doubt it reminded Peter that he had denied Christ what? Three times. And yet here Christ gives Peter a chance to cancel his three denials by three declarations of love for him. Now, Peter knows that Jesus loves him, yet he's not ready to declare the same love for Jesus. He does not want to boast like before and then fail. So he limits himself to phileo and to say, Lord, You know all things. This is a declaration of surrender. He is saying, I I, I love you, but I am not going to make any boastful statements. I'm not here to impress you like I tried to do in the past. You are my friend. I love you. And you know all things. Wow. The response that Jesus gave to every question was answered with a commission. He said, feed my lambs. In other words, care for and feed with word and doctrine the young of the flock, the children and the young converts. Uh, By the way, Sunday school and kids' church exist today in obedience and response to this uh, commission. Then tend my sheep. It's a different Greek word used over here, which means lead, govern, shepherd. It means to direct and guide the church as a whole. And then feed my sheep, care and feed the more mature ones in the flock with spiritual food fit for them. 
So what is happening over here? Jesus is busy reinstating Peter. Redemption includes not just the forgiveness of sins, but the reinstatement into the purposes and work of the kingdom. Peter perhaps thought that he was finished, that by denying Christ, his time with the disciples was over. He could not be used by Christ anymore. But Jesus redeemed Peter completely. Redemption is a matter of the heart. What happened to Peter? Did his love increase to agape love? Did he fulfill his ministry commission? The answer is yes. With an adjusted heart and with the power of the Holy Spirit in him, Peter became a mighty force in the kingdom of God. Love for Jesus motivated what he did. And that is what he taught the church. I think that morning had a tremendous impact in Peter's life. And I'm sure that often he would relive that question. Do you love me? I wonder how many times he would ask his followers, do you love Jesus with supreme love? Many, many years later, Peter would rejoice over those who answered that question in the positive, in the affirmative, who placed their faith in the risen Jesus. Listen to what he writes in his letter, 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 8 to 9. He says, Whom having not seen, you love, you agapeo. Though now you do not see him, yet believing, you rejoice with joy inexpressible and full of glory, receiving the end of your faith, the salvation of your souls. He was rejoicing that these disciples, although they had not seen Jesus, they loved him supremely. And they were receiving the result of the faith, the salvation of their souls. Concerning Peter's ministry, Not only did Peter fulfill his calling, but he taught others to do the same. Listen to some of his instructions in 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 2 to 4. Shepherd the flock of God which is among you, serving as overseers, not by compulsion, but willingly, not for dishonest gain, but eagerly. Not being lords over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the crown of glory that does not fade away. Well, in closing, you might ask, that's wonderful, Pastor, but what does that conversation with Peter have to do with me? Well, first of all, Jesus came because we all, needed redemption. I need redemption. You need redemption. We are all in need of redemption. And so Jesus came and you know what? We have been bought with a price. We also need to acknowledge that we fail. That sometimes we do things that we regret. That sometimes it seems we disqualify ourselves from God's plans and purposes. I think there's a little bit of Peter in all of us, isn't it? Like Peter, We need full redemption, which includes reinstatement into God's purposes. Redemption is a matter of the heart. We don't do things for Christ in order to be loved by Him. No, we love Him and that motivates and sustains our service for Him. 
Jesus demonstrates the extent of his grace, not just for Peter, but for us also. Before we loved him, he loved us and he gave himself for us. And you might say, but I'm not a pastor. I don't run a church. I don't have a flock. And so this feed my lambs stuff, this deal is not for me. (laughs) Wrong. You are a disciple. You are a follower of Christ. You are a Christian. And all Christians are called to ministry. Feed my lambs. If you are a parent of small children, hey, this is your first ministry. Feed those lambs. Care for them. Love them. And teach them the ways of the Lord. Church life begins at home. (laughs) Now, I know we're all doing church at home right now. But even when you go back to gathering in church, remember, church life begins at home. You can also help other people get closer to Jesus. You can help young believers by sharing with them your your stories, your uh, helping them to read the Bible, teaching them how to pray. Once church opens again, make friends with young believers and help them. Then tend my sheep. Lead them, govern them. You may not be a pastor of a church, but you do have areas of responsibility and leadership in your life, in your home, in your work, in your community. Perhaps you serve at church as well. These are all areas where you can exercise godly leadership, help and inspire others to serve the Lord and live godly lives. Then feed my sheep. As you grow and mature in faith and in influence, you can lead by godly principles in many areas and teach others from your experience. Not just biblical or spiritual things, but in practical things as well. The kingdom of God is not just about church life or about Sunday, but about every sphere of social life, from academics to manufacturing, Politics, teaching, media, all areas of everyday life. Amen? Godly men and women are being called to live by integrity according to biblical principles and to teach others to do the same. Remember that everything we do should be done to the glory of God. And so my love for Jesus should be the base of everything I do. You see, if your heart is filled, with love for Jesus, it will affect how you live. And how you live, how you do life, will ultimately affect people. So we are all called, like Peter, to be redeemed and to be involved in the kingdom. Now, it's your turn. It's your turn now. Jesus is asking you today, do you love me? Do You love me with supreme love, agapeo love. Not just like, hey, Jesus, you're a nice guy, cool. Do you love me supremely? Take this question seriously. Think about it. Will you love Jesus even in difficult times? I pray that even if today you are like Peter saying, Jesus, I'm fond of you. You know everything. I pray that like Peter, you will keep trusting in his love for you and you will grow in your love for him to the point that you can boldly declare that you love him supremely. We're going to close in prayer now and I'll see you next Sunday for the final part 
of our 40-day series. Let us pray. Lord Jesus, I am so aware of your great love for us today. But I'm also so aware of your question to me and everyone who is watching today. Where you're asking us, do you love me? Help us to ponder on this question, Lord. And to really allow your love to flood us. To allow an understanding of the price you have paid for us. Of what redemption means, Lord. That we can allow your love to flood our beings. That that will be the motivation of our life. I pray that everyone listening to this message, watching this message, Lord, will be touched by your love. That all of us will be able to answer you and say, yes, Lord Jesus, we love you with agape love. Thank you for your love for us, Lord Jesus. And so I pray, my God, that your love will just embrace everyone, Lord. I pray that the love of God the Father, that the grace and the peace of the Lord Jesus Christ, that the presence of the Holy Spirit, that fellowship of the Holy Spirit, will embrace each one of us, enabling us to love you, Lord, to live our lives in this planet in a way that glorifies you, being motivated by your love in everything we do, Lord, to the glory of your name. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. We'll see you next week. God bless you.